Welcome to Meet the Designer at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, Senior Editor at Vice, Wilbert Cooper. What's going on, everybody? My name is Wilbert Cooper, Senior Editor at Vice, as he said. And uh, I'm here to introduce and talk with Robert Geller, who I think is an amazing person, you know, an incredible individual, and also a fantastic designer. Robert you know, really started his career at Marc Jacobs as an intern. And from there, he met Alexander Plakov, where they started the cult favorite fashion label, Cloak, which you know, garnered a lot of attention and set a lot of trends. Later on in the late 2000s, he started his self-titled label, Robert Geller, which to me is like the dopest fashion label out. Um, they set a lot of trends and just really push fashion forward every single time they come out. So I'm really super excited to talk with Robert uh, because what he brings to the table is really incredible. Um, not only is he a great fashion designer and an incredible person, but he also is a great family man. And he you know, is a great husband and a great father to his children. So we're, to kick it off, we're going to check out Robert's latest 2016 fall winter collection to kind of see how he's pushing style and fashion forward in menswear. And then we're going to have opportunity to talk to Robert about the future of fashion, about creativity, about artistry, and really what he's doing to really push all this stuff to the next level. So first, let's check out this video. All right, so everybody, welcome Robert Geller. Gotta show him some love. So, um, man, I was lucky enough to come and check that show out in person, and it was just beautiful and powerful. Can you tell me a little bit about the theme that kind of guided and sort of, you know, connected everything together for you when you were putting that collection together? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, for me, from season to season, color is an important aspect. But I wanted to create a collection where it was kind of the driving force. That's sort of what I started with. And then I remembered this um, 
the story that uh, Michael Ende, who's a German author, uh, wrote called Momo. And it's a story about a small town and these gray men who are time bankers arriving in this town and you know, convincing everybody that the time they spend with their families and creative time and sort of leisure time is wasted time. And they should you know, let them save that for them and just work and they'll be more um, of an efficient society. Everybody starts turning gray, but there's this, uh, this girl named Momo. She can't read, she can't write, but she sees what's happening. She's the whole town sort of losing its joy. And she fights for it and she represents the color and she brings color back to the town. So it's a kid's story, but it's, uh, it helped me sort of re relate this, um, this story of sort of, you know, black versus color and, and, and bringing in things into menswear. And when you see the second half later, you'll see that uh, part of the collection. It's so fascinating you, you talk about this story because it's one I never heard before. But what I think is so cool about it is that it, it, it kind of makes me think a little bit of the fashion industry. You know, it's like there's a business side to it that has deadlines and money and stuff like that. And there's also the creativity and sort of the light that you have to bring to it. Um, is, as you've kind of progressed and gone through your career, does it get harder and harder as your business becomes more successful to continue to bring that light? Yeah, I think you have to remember that that's the, ultimately the thing that got you into the industry. I think everybody who starts thinking about the idea of working in fashion, they do it because they like the idea of designing and creating things. Uh, the reality is you run a business, and that's something that you're going to spend a lot of time on, but you have to fight for your time, for the creative time. Um, I've managed to find a really great partner in Japan, who can take some of those, you know, the production end and some of the financials um, sort of off of my plate so I have more time to create. Um, but it's really something that you have to remind yourself of and, and, you know, having shows and all of these things, really moments to enjoy and to try to celebrate the creativ creativity. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, I think creativity is, is I want to say it's rare, but it's like, you know, the, a lot of people are kind of trained to do but everybody else doesn't do the same thing. So when you come to the table and you sort of have that creativity and you bring something new to the table, it's, it's very unique. When was it the first time that you realized, like when you were young, that, hey, I, wanna, I don't want to follow what everybody else is doing. I want to be creative and kind of do my own thing. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in a very sort of creative household. My dad's a photographer. My mom's a big um, fan of art. Uh, my stepmother owned a second-hand store that had like Yoji Yamamoto and Komiga Song clothes sort of around me and it was for me never even a question that I would be working sort of in the creative field. Um, but it was more along the lines of being a photographer when I was younger. Um, when I went to study, uh, I went to the Rhode Island School of Design. When I got there I realized, you know, I had the opportunity to learn something completely new because I'd you know, growing up doing photography, and I had taken two years after I graduated from high school to work uh, as an assistant. So at some point I realized I have a chance to kind of try, try out fashion, which is something that sort of interested me for a long time, where I could do, you know, three more years of doing photography. Um, that was a moment where I decided to go into fashion. But it was right before um, I started RISD, kind of a moment I read um, The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Mm. I don't know if you've read that, but yeah. at that age, it was really, uh, 
it left a big impression on me because it was that's what it's all about. It's about like going your own way and uh, not sticking to the norm. Uh, it's very idealistic, but it kind of at that age really hit me. Um, but I, you know, I don't consider myself a revolutionary designer in any way. Uh, I feel like I have my my aesthetics, I have my taste, and I try to improve from season to season and do my own thing. You know, I've never <coughs> wanted to or needed to follow any trends. Um, I feel like in menswear, it's not that important anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't consider myself revolutionary in any way, but I do try to sort of do my own thing. Is, it, is there ever a point where um, like you get nervous or there's a fear, like say when you're just putting this collection together and you decide, you know what, we're gonna go with more flowy, flowy silhouettes, we're gonna do something a little bit different than what you know, maybe everybody's wearing right now. Is there a fear to step outside of the box a little bit or try something a little bit different than what people might automatically expect? No, I think that's my job. You know, I think uh, if you're a fashion designer, high-end fashion designer, your 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 job is to push the envelope as much as your you know fans will will let you. You know, and I I feel like I have a pretty good sense of where they're willing to go, and uh, there's time for change. Mm -hmm. You know, the skinny skinny look is is over. You know. Right. Um, and then it's about exploring possibilities of where it can go, and it's just about like asking yourself, what do you think? Where do you think it's it's headed? And then trying to make that look cool. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I've had some really incredible moments at at your shows, just sort of seeing everything kind of come together. Especially at this show, I think it was, you know, maybe one of the best ones that you've ever done, and it was just so powerful to see the colors and see the, the, the shapes and see it all kind of coalesce. Have you had experiences when you were younger at shows that kind of impacted you and were like, wow, like this is fashion. This is what is awesome and important and I need to be a part of. Yeah, it was really one show in particular. <clears throat> was the first, uh, first season working at Marc Jacobs. I was interning there. I was still going to school at uh, RISD and I was there for uh, the winter session and you know, we were a really small team, and we were working quite late nights uh, for for weeks on end. And the showtime came finally came around, and we got the the collection to the to the space. It was at the Armory, this massive, massive, beautiful space. Um, and they told us that it was you know we we could go watch the show. They were still getting it ready, and we went to the the bleachers. And I remember standing there and. They, uh, you know, just in this sort of really sort of awe-inspiring, massive venue, huge runway. And then suddenly the lights came on and um, they played the, the Cramps' uh, Human Fly. Just a really, like, it's the kind of song that gets your, like, sure. hair to stand up. And then the, 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 the girls just started walking. And there was such an energy and, like... Um, I remember getting teary-eyed and just, like, emotional and, like... I just thought it was so cool. And at that moment, I was decided that one day I want to be the one creating that. That's awesome. And what was it like to put on your first, your first show? Can you tell me about that? Like the first time everything sort of came together and you're about to have your own models walk down a runway. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was cloak. 
um, I guess 2003, was our first show, and we got like some weird ballet studio <laughs> in Midtown that somebody had donated to us. And it had like a spiral staircase to another room where we changed the models. So we didn't have any experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the show started, and I think about three or four looks in, the electricity went out. So all the lights went out, the music <laughs> went out. The models couldn't get up and down at the same time. So <laughs> once we got the electricity back on, there'd be like a minute pause between. It was the worst. It was just horrible. <laughs> Alexander kicked a hole in the wall. It was just a mess. Um, but, you know, we learned a lot during that show. And we slowly sort of got better and better at it. That's what's up. It's so crazy when, like, getting to know you and talk about Cloak a little bit because it seems like you were definitely, it was definitely a learning process for you. But from the outside, you know, I have so many close friends of mine. We're in a community where those items are fetishized, you know, like these people hunt and search and, and kind of really look for all that, that stuff um, to keep, you know, because they want to get it. What are some of the best lessons and things that you learned through that process, in addition to the fashion show, but like other things that you kind of were like, wow? Yeah, yeah, everything. You just have no idea when you start. So, I mean, Alexander was older, so he had more of an idea than I did, but I was 24, 25 years old. And I just had this idea that if you go out and you make great clothing that people want to buy, that that's good enough. And the reality is that's not, that's not good enough. So we were, you know, from the outside, seen as a really successful company. We were in great stores, we had great cover, like, uh, press coverage. Um, we won some awards. The reality was we didn't know how to make it work. We didn't know how to make, uh, you know, make it financially successful. So just the business of it all, how difficult it is, how expensive it is, how difficult it is to design, not design, but to produce a jacket or any garment that has like, you know, 35 different elements from buttons to different sort of inside of the jackets and zippers that you have to order on time and trim and get it all together. So. It's a, it's a massive undertaking, um, and you really need somebody that knows what they're doing with it. But to hire somebody, those people cost, you know, started like $90,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into details, but it's just really, it's difficult right. to make it all work in the beginning. So you really need a partner that has, uh, that has the financial sort of muscle to get you through the first couple of years. That's so cool. And uh, one thing I, I've been really wanting to ask you about is something that it's like hard for me to find information about, and that's the Herald line. Because it's so cool. Like, I, I'll see some people hashtag like girls and Geller and stuff, and it's like, wait, like you made girls' clothes for a little bit. What was that experience like, and what, what was Herald? Yeah, so after I left Cloak, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to compete against Cloak. Right. Uh, but I wanted to keep making clothes, and I wanted to sort of use what I had learned. Um, and I was trying to keep it really as small as possible um, in terms of office size and staff. It was just me, um, no PR, nothing. Just I said, you know, I'll, I'll start a collection, uh, we'll keep it really small, and then grow it through sales. Once the money comes back in, then I can think about hiring somebody for this next step. And it was interesting because, you know, in college it didn't, necessarily specialize in menswear. I did men's and women's, and um, women's is still something that I plan on doing. Uh, it's part of what I want to do. Um, so it was interesting to, to just focus on, on the women's wear. It's different. It's like 
when design for men, I think about what do I want to wear, what do my friends want to wear with women's where it's like, how do I want my wife to dress? You know, mm -hmm. what do I think that is cool? And like, it's a little bit projection, more of a projection, but it's also really fun. Um, I think with women's wear, there's a um, kind of a sexiness that you can work with that doesn't exist so much in men's wear and um, like a flow. It was a great experience, but it didn't last that long because I was approached by the, the Japanese company that asked me to do a menswear line again. And so I was in the third season for Harold when um, I started designing Robert Geller and just noticed pretty quickly that it was like, you know, something that has a huge potential that could be done the right way right. versus something where I was in my little office trying to sew things myself. It's interesting we talking about women because like just from following you on social media and kind of you know, keeping tabs on you, it's like I'll see like posts like, "Oh, my sister is the most stylish person in the world," or you'll show lots of love to your your wife or your daughters. Is there something special even when you're designing, which, whatever you're doing, whatever creative? Is there something special, some special kind of energy that you get from the women in your life? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that when you create. The most important thing that you have is uh, is sort of your taste and your aesthetic. Um, you can apply it to sort of anything, you know. Whether I would take a photograph, or I would design a jacket, or I would make a piece of furniture, it all comes from a certain place and it goes through a certain filter. And that has been developed mainly by the women in my life, you know, from from the way my mom dressed, from the way my stepmom dressed, from the way my wife dresses, my sister. Growing up, she was a huge influence. Um, she was really into fashion. She kind of just took me along and um, introduced me to to fashion as a as a as a world when I was you know 13, 14 years old. She's two years older. And she's yeah, highly influential. Anna, my wife, always thought that her style was the best in the world and still do. Um, there's a lot of influences from, from women in my life, for sure. Do you think that like, what it means to be a dude is changing a little bit now? Because I remember when, when the skinny stuff kind of got bigger and, and became more popular, you know, all the guys were wearing skinny jeans, at least like in my school and stuff, you would get made fun of, or people would you know, say really kind of awful things about you. Now, that's kind of come more general, and it seems like everyone's getting more interested in fashion. Like, have you felt this increase of like, general men like all kinds of guys taking interest in fashion and wanting to look good? And how does that impact your business and the work that you do? It's changing, but it's changing slowly. Um, I think the, this idea of caring about how you dress as a man, being feminine, is starting to go away in the big cities. Um, you know, I, I don't travel into the country that much, but I just hear from people who still live in smaller towns. It's not that way yet. But it's changing, for sure. I think with, uh, with the internet and, and just social media, it's getting out there that it's okay to care about how you dress. And, um, you know, there are people all over, all over the United States in smaller towns that love wearing Robert Keller. And, you know, they have their friends online in the forums, and they talk to each other, and that's the coolest thing in the world to me. It's like when somebody in a small town in Nebraska can have a big Robert Geller collection, and he walks out into the streets proud, 
probably gets made fun of, but he doesn't care because all of his <laughs> friends online are like, you're the coolest. So. Right. No, I mean, that's super cool. That's, that's, that's really the way that I got into it. I had friends, my best friends, who were super interested in what you were doing and what some other designers were doing in New York City and were kind of following on the forums. And they would come back and tell me, like, yo, you got to check out Robert Geller. This is dope. You got to see this collection, that collection. Like, as, as a designer that's kind of come up in that new era, how does it change the way that you think about yourself and the way that you work when there's an entire community there? You know, you can go to Robert Geller, Robert Geller on Styleform and there's like thousands of posts of people talking about what you do. How does that change your perspective at all? It's fantastic. It's like the best feedback you can get. I read those things all the time and they're honest, you know. Mm -hmm. It's great. If there's something like a button falls off, they'll write about it and they'll yell about it and it's <laughs> Amazing. If something doesn't fit right, like, it's the most honest sort of feedback. If I went to ask somebody to my face, they would try to, you know, make it most likely seem like it was okay. Right. But when they're just talking amongst each other, um, it's honest. And when something works, I can tell too. So um, I think it's a really great um, tool for a designer to kind of research how the clothes are doing what's great, what's working, what's not working. That's cool. One of the things that seems to be happening too, I see it's almost kind of like a, a Kanye effect, you know, like uh, where, people, where more men are getting into fashion, like more people are aware of who someone like Raph Simmons is or who, you know, some of these designers that are really influential are because it's being filtered into hip hop music. And I know you consulted on his line. Like, what is, do you, do you feel like there's some kind of a democratizing thing happening with, with musicians and artists kind of uh, jumping into the fashion space and rep, you know, kind of presenting it to more, more of the populace? Yeah, definitely. It speaks to that thing that I mentioned earlier. Like if your idol says it's cool to dress cool, you're gonna think it's fine. Mm -hmm. And you're not gonna make fun of the next guy that's actually dressing cool. So he's hugely influential in that because he's massive, you know, and people listen to him. Uh, and he, from the very start, has been into, into fashion and, and uh, dressing well. And so I think he's done a lot for the menswear, um, menswear world and kind of just the general state of um, the way that people think about the way that men think about dressing, especially here in the States. It's funny because, too, there was, a, I think, a lot of criticism um, against him from some people from the fashion in industry when he was first getting into it. Is there any sort of insight you can give us into what it's like to work with, with Yeezy uh, on a project and, and, and kind of just see, you know, how he fits into the, this, this whole fashion thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting working with him because... He loves that. He loves that he, the first time he tried to get into the fashion industry, he couldn't get in. He was like, great, I gotta try harder. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I've gotten to know him pretty well over this, this time and I can honestly say he's really, really into designing clothing and learning and, 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 um, and putting in the time. Uh, so, I think that barrier, especially about the people that sort of have seen him work, that barrier has gone down. And you know, he's, he's um, through his collections now, I think people are, are starting to just accept him into that world, you know? The people that, that weren't, there'll always be people that won't just because they think he's annoying or whatever, like 
but I think people that I know in the fashion industry are, are starting to, to really embrace them. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really, really crazy um, the way that it seems that menswear is evolving and changing. As you sort of watch that shift, are you doing anything differently with your business? Or are there things that you want to do um, as you see this kind of democratization happen that you haven't done before or try out? Does it give you more freedom or liberty to mix it up? No, I'm not that kind of guy. Like, mm -hmm. I'm very much about like sitting down and creating clothing and just going after what I, what I feel like is the right thing to design. I'm not big on a, sort of analytics or, I don't work that way. I think it would mess me up. I go from sort of more of a feeling from season to season and maybe I need to start thinking about that. But my whole dream is to stay as small as possible at a point where I can make a good living for my family and still enjoy going to work in the morning. So there's a lot of people out there that want to be huge. They want to have a huge company and want to have tons of people working for them. If I could just be me and like a few assistants that I love, I'd be totally happy. So there's definitely a point of sort of analyzing and seeing what's happening in the men's world and, and all of that, but it's not, it's not going to be me who's doing it. You know, we talked a little bit about Kanye, who's sort of a musician who can put a stamp on something that some people might think is outside the box and make it cool. Another musician like that is, is David Bowie, and that's somebody who you incorporated in, in one of your past collections, collections in a major way. Can you tell me a little bit about how it felt when David Bowie passed away for you and, and sort of, you know, just what you were thinking about as someone who, who got inspiration from him as an artist? Yeah, I mean, David Bowie, is, he's a style icon. He's somebody that a lot of designers sort of go to. But I, I felt like I, you know, I had a very um, very sort of strong reason for, for, for using him. It fit where I was going with my clothing at that time. Uh, I love his music. I, I, I sort of love him as a, as a, as a character. Um, but I just think that at the time when he passed away, it didn't become about him anymore. It became about people like identifying, wanting to be cool by posting something about David Bowie and it kind of, I don't know, it's put me off a little bit. Like, I didn't want to post something about David Bowie. I didn't want to talk about David Bowie. I didn't want to listen to David Bowie. I just felt like it became this weird, like, fake, fake thing that was happening and uh, just waiting for that to die down a little bit. And I'm not the biggest David Bowie fan in the world, yeah. but I just feel like I, uh, I really love his music. It's so cool, I mean, just talking about music with you a little bit, because every single time I go to one of your shows, I hear music and I'm trying to like Shazam to figure out, you know, what, what is it he's playing? Is this some like crazy German punk band or, you know, what is the music? Like, how important is music to you just personally? And then like, how, how connected is it to menswear in general? Yeah, I mean, music is connected to, to everything. Um, I have a great, uh, I don't want to call him a DJ. He's a musician, but he, he also DJs. He's, his name's Scott Mao. I've been working with him since back in the day when we were doing Cloak, and we just really are musical soulmates. Um, everything that I love from sort of the late 70s, early 80s, all the post-punk stuff, it's like, he's like encyclopedia. Yeah. So we sit together, uh, explain the collection to him, where I'm going with it, sort of where I see the show going. 
and then uh, we talk about music. He plays me lots of songs. If I have something that I think could work, I play it for him. We sit around and we come up with a with a playlist for for the show that works with the with the theme and the atmosphere. And it's just always really great music that's really sort of underground. But this, you know, relationship between fashion and 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 music, just like art and music, art and fashion, everything like. Everything is always related. Um, I took a class in Rome that was it was the history of Rome in terms of sort of economics, art, and um, politics, and it was just so clear that everything that was happening throughout the history was so interrelated, and everything sort of affects each other. And music and fashion are just very close in that way. Can you tell me, like, we're talking about music, we're talking about these sort of inspirations. Like, when you come up with a theme like Momo, what's the, uh, the process typically? Like, like how, do you, how does a theme come to you? How do you get that, like, light bulb in the, in, in the head? It's funny. Sometimes it comes quickly and sometimes it, it takes a while. Um, beginning of every season, I just try to pick something that has been interesting me. That's been sort of, like, a topic that I've wanted to explore. This whole idea of Momo, it's something that was just, you know, something that's been in my head, this thought of the gray men. My brother and sister talking about the gray men when I was a kid and kind of being scared of these. But I wasn't allowed to read the book yet. Um, <laughs> it was just something that I'd been, you know, interested in. And then when I thought about it, I wanted to do something based on color. It just clicked and I was like, okay, the gray men are perfect. I've done collections on like you know, the, the, the student movements in Berlin in the late 60s, something that I've always been interested in and it allowed me to take time at work to read up on it, watch movies about it, just get into a topic. And then from that, I create a, a document for my whole team, my team in Japan, my team here, where through photos, through text, through colors, I create a, a sort of a world for us to to work in, uh, kind of setting a, yeah, setting a, an environment where everybody can kind of understand <clears throat> where I want this thing to go. And then we start designing. That's awesome. So we're going to take another look at uh, the Robert Geller's Fall Winter 2016 collection. This is a, another, another shot at, at seeing all the dope stuff that's tied together with the theme of the gray man and the Momo story.
still wearing the same outfit. <laughs> that's a swaggy outfit. That's the you got to keep that on. That's dope. Um, man, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't say enough good things about seeing that that collection in person because it really was super super dope, man. And um, I just want to kind of ask you a few questions. I guess sort of drilling down into some of the looks now that we've seen some different shots of, of the video. Um, you know, just starting with what you were thinking about in terms of silhouette, you know, because like, I just, I just bought a pair of skinny Robert Geller jeans. <laughs> I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, how, what, what, how, we're now, what are we th talking about or what are we thinking about in terms of pleading, in terms of movement that is really drawing you in a different direction? Yeah, I think <clears throat> it's definitely the silhouette is changing. That's something that's gonna happen slowly. Um, I'm addressing some of that on the runway. But it's, it's, it's getting looser, it's getting boxier, it's getting, getting bigger, but not, not like sort of sloppy 80s big. It's, it's still, you know, if you have the dress pant, they're still small at the bottom, but they're just roomy around, around the top, and it's about that right, the shaping of it. And I think that's what's going to sort of replace the skinny jean and um, really well-tailored, like, dress pants. And dress pants sound so horrible, but I think that if you do it in the right way, still has that, you know? They can be a little bit sagging, they can be really small at the, at the ankles. If it has that right shape and the right fabric, it looks really cool. So that's one of the things. But then with all the, the coats, coats are longer, they are definitely oversized, more drop shoulders, more movement. Movement was something that I really thought about starting last season. Because um, our, our silhouette was quite small before and now, I really want things to move. It's about how does it look when, when, when they're walking down the runway, how people walk in the streets. That kind of flow in the clothes is really important to me now. And just talking a little bit more about, about color, I think it's really interesting for me as, as a fan and, and watching all your work, like when I think of color in, in your, your whole body of work, it, it's hard to define because it's not like, they're never like really, um, pure one color, they, they're kind of washed out or, or, you know, they have different shades. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach color and how it's maybe different than what we typically think of? Yeah, I call them off colors, because, mm. and it's weird for a German to say this, because Germans love like primary colors. I don't like primary colors at all. I don't like a pure red, I don't like a pure blue, I don't like a pure yellow. Um, I like the, the tones that are just like, you can't really describe, you can't find a name for. Um, sort of jewel tones. Um, it's what I've always always liked. Um, and now I have a chance to really play around with color. So, you know, coming up with a, with a color story for a collection is one of the most intense and also most fun things for me to do. Because uh, I don't think people spend enough time for it. I don't have a knack for it. I'm not sure. But I, I love choosing color. And I think that, you know, with menswear, it's really difficult because men don't want to wear a lot of color. We're not wearing a lot of color, and most right. people don't. <laughs> um, but I want to introduce colors that are interesting and special and finding ways of combining them that really make you see something new. Um, I love combining just different shades of a color, you know? If we picked like a sort of a mustard, but then getting like five different variations and putting them in one look, um, that's what I really like, and that's really pretty. 
That's cool. And how do you achieve those those colors? Like, what is, what is the process of getting these kind of indescribable, unique colors? Um, it, there's there's like color reference books. Um, there's an amazing one uh, from Japan. It's a company called Scotic, and they actually just went bankrupt. Yeah. Um, but there was like the biggest, most amazing color reference book, and it's just pages after pages of color chips. And so it's just uh, getting a piece of paper and going through and trying combinations out and, and, and really coming up with a collection of maybe like 15, 20 colors to use in the, in the collection, um, you know, with different groupings, but they all work well together and they all look really great on their own as well. What's really cool about that collection too is I think you've carried on this um, thing that you always sort of do of, of layering. How important is layering in terms of the styling that you typically gravitate towards and why does it make shit look so cool? Like, <laughs> like how, does, how, does, how does layering take an outfit to another level? And it just allows you to do more, I think. Mm -hmm. um, this idea of like combining colors. Um, you can't do that if you only have a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. You have to have more pieces and that's why I love autumn winter so much it's because you can really start to get into like five, six pieces for an outfit and get different textures, get different colors or different shades together. And you can play with sort of elongating the silhouette or widening the silhouette and just playing around with proportions. Um, I just like that look. I almost always wear like a, um, I don't want to call them wife beater. <laughs> An A shirt. Um, because I like a touch of color that comes out somewhere, mm -hmm. something that's just a little bit different. I've always liked layering. My stylist that I work with since the beginning, he loves layering, which is something that we like doing. And, you know, one of the coolest things about this collection that I like a lot, too, is obviously the shoes. Everybody gets super hyped over your uh, collaboration with Common Projects. Like, can you tell me about, like, the, the, your side zip and... and why is it sort of connected with people so much that it's, it's, it seems like it sells out immediately. Like I, I'm always like, yo, I'm gonna get a pair this year, I'm gonna get a pair this year, and then by the time I get my money together to get one, they're gone. <laughs> you know, they're just, you can't get them, you can't see them anywhere. Why, why do you think it's, it's grabbed onto people so much? I, I, it started a long time ago. I uh, met Peter and Flavio from Common Projects. First or second season that we started. Um, and we got along. And then they came to the following show. And we sort of met at the bar at the after party and sat down and had some drinks together. And we were like, let's do a collaboration. And they were like, let's not just do a collaboration. Let's do like a cross collaboration. And we, for like two seasons, made clothes for them. And they made shoes for us. But you can sell like two pairs of shoes to a store. You can't sell like a jacket and a t-shirt and a pant to a store as a collection. So the clothing part, unfortunately, didn't, didn't work out. But it was the beginning of a, of a really great uh, collaboration because we started sort of at the same space. We, people who like Robert Geller like Common Projects and vice versa. And we started sort of at the same time, grew up at the same time. It just makes sense, I think. Um, I love their shoes. I love their aesthetic. I love them as people. Uh, we're really good friends. So I think it's like one of the most natural sort of collaborations that could possibly exist because I think the brands line up and the, the people line up as well. 
Can you tell me about the derbies too? Because those were a really, I thought, a really cool kind of kind of vibe that you brought to this season. Yeah, we um, we <laughs> we just play around with ideas. You know, it goes goes back and forth, and the, or, um, my stylist uh, Yuji Takanaka comes in too, and we think about ideas, and um, we love the derbies that that they do, and. We, we took their shape and we found a really nice leather that we loved. And then we, Yuji and I have been talking about sort of creating something elegant, businessy. Um, so we decided to add this sort of um, grow grain detailing, kind of crossing over um, across the toe and then sort of across the, um, the front of the shoe. It's just playing around with it, drawing things onto, onto shoes, playing around with materials. Um, just creating something that we want to wear, really. That's cool, man. They're they're really really dope. I think at this point we're gonna open it up to the audience to see if you guys have any questions you want to ask Robert. Hi, hey. my name's Kiera. I just had a question for what should people that don't really have a beefed up resume, they're just starting out and they're wanting to intern for these companies. What would be the best thing to just really put yourself out there? Um, for me. I don't really look at resumes too much for for um, for interns. I, I base it on the interview, so I I try to take the time to if there is an opening, which is you know that's a huge thing of luck. While I get when I get the email, then I I, I have I have a meeting. You know we meet and we talk and we don't talk about fashion necessarily. I will look at your book, but I want to know about you. Why why you got into this? Um, Reality is we have a small team here. We're going to be hanging out all the time, and I have to like you as a person. We're going to go out for lunch together, probably end up having drinks at some point with friends. So it's a lot about just sort of chemistry and, and exchange. And you have to have sort of the, the skills. You have to be able to draw flats. You have to be able to, you know, work on Photoshop and Illustrator. And all those things are a given, but it's about chemistry and, and, and sort of knowing that your heart's in the right place. How, how important was your internship for you um, at the start of your career? <laughs> Extremely, because I met my wife. <laughs> she was my boss. <laughs> but beyond that, extremely. It was like I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew how to sew clothing. I knew how to draw clothing. But I didn't know how the industry worked at all. I didn't know the cycle the fashion cycle. I didn't know what it took to put on a fashion show. I didn't know about production. So that was my first introduction into it. Got to see it all. Um, and it got me really excited about being in New York and just being in the center of it, you know? Uh, hello. Um, you're an inspiration, by the way. Uh, I just have a question, because me and my friend here, we started up a clothing brand recently. And to manufacture clothes, since we can't manufacture a lot, it costs more money, and we can't sell it for a lot because we're not established yet. I was just wondering, like, what do you think we should do? <laughs> this is from it, by the way. Oh, nice. It's really, really, really hard in the beginning. And that's what I was saying, what I learned when we were doing cloak. Exactly those things were the problem. Pricing, we're like, you know, we're selling 10 of these leather jackets, but making 10 of them is like, paying sample pricing. So if we sold it at the correct price, it would cost like $2,500 and we would sell zero. So it, I know what you're talking about. It's terrible. It's really, really, really difficult. 
So the only thing that I can sort of tell you is focus on, on, on a small sort of specialize in something, whether it's like leather jackets. Leather jackets, you have one material, cut a couple of different styles, don't get too complicated. Maybe introduce a couple of new styles every season, but keep it small and build a name for yourself. Because in the end, what you're going to be doing for the first three, four, five seasons is basically paying for PR. You're not going to be making money. It's just not the way it works. Unless you like print some t-shirts and like that sells well. When you're starting a fashion line, you need to be in it for the long haul. Um, and, you know, price it with small margins. Try to stay somewhat competitive. But the reality is you, you're in a tough spot. <laughs> it's, it's just the reality of it. And, 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 you know, you have to use being small to your advantage. One of the things that we did at Cloak was we hand printed every one of the tags and we each one or each style that we sold we made sort of like a run if we sold 25 we did one out of 25 two out of 25 three out of 25 because you're up i'm up against gucci and prada and lanvin they have a million times the budget of whatever i have for anything but people come to me because i'm underground and, and there's a sort of like a group many of you here that love that, you know, they want to be sort of like recognize each other in the street and say, yeah, we're one of the few people that know about this. That's, it's using your disadvantage to your advantage, I think, you know, what is it that makes still being small only making a few more exciting? Whether you do more of a personal touch, things that you do with your, you know, hand-painted things or whatever, you, you know, just use it to your advantage. It you sort of mentioned, you know, Gucci and Lavon and those brands. Like, what is your perception on, on luxury, just in general? It's interesting because I got into fashion really loving the Belgian designers. You know, Raf, Dries, and because they weren't about luxury. And I feel the same way. I don't feel like I'm a luxury brand. I don't want to be a luxury brand. I want to be a really cool, really high quality brand. And the clothes that I might make are expensive because they're really well made. They're all made in Japan with really high quality uh, fabrics in the best places. So I don't want it to be a luxury product. People will describe it as luxury because of the price point. But the reality is that's not what I care about at all. The whole idea of like luxury, typical fashion, all of the BS that sort of dominates a big part of this world doesn't interest me at all. And I think that it's slowly starting to go away. I think that this new generation, it's much more, we're much more approachable. It's much more about just being people who make clothes as cool as possible or as nice as possible. Um, what sort of process do you go through when you're developing um, a new relationship with a retailer? So it usually starts with an email from, from the store um, inquiring about the, about the availability in their region, a small description of what their store is and who they carry. And if that sort of fits with the kind of store we, we could imagine our collection being in, we set up an appointment during, or yeah, right around this time, Fashion Week. So they will come in, um, I'll be there to meet them for a few minutes, talk with them for a few minutes, and then really the, the sales team takes over. Uh, I try not to stick around because 
it puts a lot of pressure on 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 the buyers and I want that to be like a really sort of honest experience for them they don't I don't want them to take something because I'd say it's cool um, and then they you know they usually make their selection and then in the end if uh, if they check out if the credit checks out if everything about the store checks out then we begin that relationship and we, we you know we sell to them and then it's all about sort of building from there making sure that you know when they receive the goods that uh, they're happy with it if there's something that's not working we try to exchange it um, and seeing them again next year and say you know what did you do well with uh, what didn't do so well let's let's uh, let's try to make this next season better than the last and keep increasing the the buy little by little to create a really nice account for us is there anything like broken about the relationship between designers and you know retailers or is there anything that that I don't know that you found that makes it hard just in general I don't know I think the hardest thing for me is um, and it's not a fault of the stores, it's just the reality of the market, is that when I create a, a collection, we do about 100 to 120 styles every season. Um, a lot of the time, a lot of the really great pieces don't get picked up. It's not a, not a huge portion of it, but it's just the reality that menswear is still at a point where there's a, a, a real barrier in terms of of price, uh, so we make really cool sort of leather pieces that sometimes just don't sell at all because of the price. And and been amazing to have my own store where I could just put like three or four of those jackets in it to just sort of display the whole whole collection. But the reality is like that's not the fault of the store at all. It's just the reality of the market. And the other thing is sort of I would love to be able to spend more time in the stores, but we're a global company, you know, with stores all over the world. I can't go to every store to talk to the staff. I can't, I can't do it, but we're working on ways of like making little videos that we can send to the staff. So kind of like communicate with them, uh, trying to open up channels of, of emailing and, and Q and A's, all this stuff, because the reality is that's relationship is extremely important. The guys on the floor talking to the customers coming in, they don't know who I am. They don't know the collection. What are they going to sell? I mean, it's like it's a part of like telling the story and, and getting them in. And sometimes people, you know, out of college, they need a job. They go into a store. They become, you know, uh, salesmen, and they don't know the designers that are in the store. It's just a reality. Well, Robert, when I was introducing you, I was getting a little choked up, man, because I really do think you are one of the nicest people that, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet in New York, not even just in fashion, just in general. You're a really genuine person, and um, it sort of it spreads out through everybody that you connect with in Tetra. If I have friends from Ohio that have emailed you, you've come, let talk, like gone out for drinks with them or whatever. So it's such a, such a beautiful thing to connect with you and talk about your creativity. And that's one thing I, I think everybody should know about this man is that he's super, super honest and genuine and real. And, and I really appreciate the art that you're putting into the world and the positive vibes. So thank, thank you, my you. man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. <laughs>